There's a lot going on. It's really exciting. Um, the children uh, are going to head out now to their own separate activities. Um, and after that, Dan's going to come and share with us from, from the word. Um, just as they go, as parents take them out downstairs and leaders uh, go down to receive them, um, maybe around the table where you're sat, just on this theme of generosity uh, and being generous. Um, can you recall a time and, uh, where, where you knew something about God's generous provision or response to a situation in your life? Is there some way you can encourage others about that? I know I've kind of sprung it on you, which is sometimes difficult, but just he is faithful every day to meet our needs. So just while we wait for parents to go and then to come back, uh, maybe just be talking about, about the generosity of God as you have, have known it and experienced it. Uh, more than is necessary or expected. Where have you, where's God done that in your life? Um,
yeah, I'll call. I'll call him. Yeah, I'll call him a bit quiet. Right, folks, I'm going to ask you to bring those conversations to a close. Um, so, and we'll just be still for a moment or two uh, before Dan comes to speak to us. Um, I'm going to pray uh, in just a moment, but let's just ready our hearts to, to listen, to listen attentively, to hear, not just what Dan is saying, but to be asking Jesus. There we go. Someone just mind getting me a glass of water, please? That would be fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet. Together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their house, homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people, and the Lord added daily to the number of those who were saved. Father God, we praise you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that we see that's the power of your Holy Spirit at work. And Lord, we want to be um, spirit-filled believers that trust in you and live our lives that are just fully committed to following you. And I pray that you would help us on that journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we see extraordinary sharing. We see that they were, just, just go back one, they, they had sincere hearts, they were praising God, and if I can just see it, and they sold property and possessions to give to anybody that was in need. And we see this throughout the book of Acts. There's this, this radical generosity that takes place within the church and outside of the church. And so we may think, and we look at this, and we think, oh, this sounds a little bit like communism, doesn't it? Well, I don't think it is. I think what they had, these are people that had things that willingly gave them up for the good of others. They freely gave it away. It wasn't forced. It was something that they felt compelled to do. And their motivation was because they knew what it meant that all things came from God. All things that they had had come from him. Psalmist says, God is the maker of the heavens and the earth, and everything belongs to him. Do we believe that? Do we believe that everything that we have belongs to him? Everything that you have in your bank account, everything you have in your home, everything that you, if you have a home, God, everything belongs to him first and foremost. You see, generosity within families was something that was commonplace within the Jewish tradition. There was this idea of inheritance and passing it on from generation to generation. That was something that they aimed for and they spent their time doing, was pouring into that. What were they going to pass on to the next generation? But something changed. Something changed in their hearts. The Holy Spirit came into them 
And they started seeing their possessions in a different way. It wasn't just for their family. It wasn't just for their blood family. They realized that they were stewards of what they'd been given. Some had land. Some were very wealthy, had lands and they, land, and they sold it, and they gave it to the church, to the early Christians, to one another, to share out between them. This was radical generosity. This was thinking, look, if I have it, but I don't need it, I can give it to somebody else. I reckon if I look around my house, I could have a look around and be like, I have this, I probably don't need it, someone else could have it. I don't know if you do that, maybe me and Nikki have this rule, well, say me and Nikki, Nikki has a rule, <laughs> which is if I don't wear something, for, she hasn't seen me in something for six months, it gets taken to the charity shop. So there's been many a slight disagreement about when I've gone to my closet and found stuff not there anymore and someone else wearing it in Erdington. But <laughs> there is something about when we have stuff. Nice shirt, Simon. <laughs> oh, God, that's okay. um, it does look familiar, actually. Looks better on you, Simon, I have to say. Much better. <laughs> but there is this mindset change that they had. If I, if I have it and I don't need it, someone else does. I can give it to them. Why have we been given all that we have? Finances, things that we enjoy, is because God is a generous God. Amen, church? Isn't he generous? Isn't he good? And it's also there for us, not to keep for ourselves, but to share with others. See, their hearts had changed, not to just be broken for their, just their family, but for their brothers and sisters in Christ, first and foremost, and then for others as well. We looked last week at the word uh, fellowship, or as I kept on saying incorrectly, canonia. Can I say it correctly? Canonia? Canonia. My Greek is not the strongest. But this is about the idea of being united in one fellowship, being one body, starting to see everybody as family. As you look around this, work, uh, this room, seeing each other as family, because we're united in Christ. Here's what unifies us. Here's our bond. It is, it is greater and thicker than even blood. But I have to think, when I think about my own family, or those in my slightly wider family, if any of them were in need, I would probably drop everything. I wouldn't hesitate to help them if they had a need. I'd drop everything. I'd give them what I can. But this love and care that we see in the early churches, it grew bigger and bigger than just their family, and they were willing to extend that others. Now, maybe you're starting to think this sounds a little bit heavy, and is he going to ask me that dreaded question, am I generous enough? No, I'm not going to ask you that at the moment, so don't worry. But there is something I know I need to be more generous. I know I need, I know I should be. And I think it's fairly normal for us to, to feel like that and think like that, because the, the more that we... Um, the closer our relationship with Jesus, the more he's probably going to be working on our hearts to tell us, you still need to be more generous. And when we think we're generous enough, he's probably going to say, you need to be more generous. Give, 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 give. Whether that's money, maybe it's time, whatever it may be, it's not just financial, but it's not just to those within our family, it's also within our church family, our body, and to those in the outside world as well. God is a generous God. It is the grace of God. And how generous God is, he wrote it into the Old Testament laws, didn't he? In Leviticus 19 and 25, if you ever read them, it talks about um, the laws that were written there for, to help the poor and oppressed. The gleaning law of, 
um, landowners not, not farming um, to the edges of the fields, leaving it for the poor so that they could eat as well. God has always had it in there. Always had a heart for the, the poor and the oppressed. But of course, his most generous thing that we come here to celebrate is the gift of his son. We're sitting here today because Jesus, God's son, God incarnate, left the splendors of heaven for you to die for your, to live the perfect life, to die for your sin, to defeat death, to raise, rise again. So anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? What generosity that is. What beautiful generosity that is. Generosity throughout the whole Bible. So we're just going to look at a couple of passages now in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 9 and 2 Corinthians 8. And we're just going to look at just a couple of things that we see in the generosity that we see in these passages. So it's going to be on the screen, but Andy, do you mind coming and reading? Because I think it'd be great. Sam, are you happy clicking? It's going to be 2 Corinthians 9 first, then 2 Corinthians 8. So 2 Corinthians 9 is on page 1164 in these Bibles, uh, but it'll be on the screen as well. 6 to 15. <clears throat> so it says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And then from chapter 8 on the previous page, just going to read verses 1 to 5. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, 
they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Good stuff, isn't it? <laughs> Challenging stuff. What we see here is we see both passages, we see the grace of God at work in people's lives, in their hearts. Gift that we don't deserve. The grace that Jesus came and died for our sins, defeated death and rose again. That anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That beautiful gift of eternal life, that beautiful gift of knowing our maker so the only thing that will motivate us to be radically generous givers is going to be out of a place of knowing the grace that God has shown us and given us first, the generosity he has given us. And out of the overflow of our hearts, we are then to give, whatever it may be. And out of this, um, in, in verse 4 of chapter 8, this church, this poor church, didn't have much, but they were urgently pleaded the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Please let us give. We don't have very much, but let us give to you whatever we have and even more. Isn't that incredible? They saw a great need. A famine was going on and they saw a need there and they thought, we'll give whatever we can. We're so compelled by the grace of God in our own lives, what he's done for us, that we will give freely whatever we have and whatever we can. And they were thankful for the opportunity. They knew all they had was from him. Every physical blessing and every spiritual blessing, they wanted to pass that on to others. So they know, in, verse, in, in chapter 9, verse 10, on the next page, it's he who supplies. God who supplies. Seed to the sower, bread for food will also supply, and it increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The goal not just the giving itself, but it's to enlarge the harvest of righteousness in our lives. As we grow in reflecting God's character in all that we do, as we are enriched in every way so that we can be generous on every single occasion. Isn't that great? That, that the goal is, even in our generosity, the goal is that we would receive an enlarged harvest of our own righteousness, that we'll grow to be more Christ-like. Isn't that beautiful? God's heart for us. Sometimes maybe if we're struggling to be generous, and I know my heart sometimes, I struggle with this, I'm going to be honest with you. Or maybe we don't even see the needs of others. Maybe it's because we need to first take hold of the grace of God that he's shown us. We really recognize our need for Jesus is forgiveness. Maybe we just need to pause for a moment and just reflect on that. Spiritual blessings, physical blessings that we've been given, the grace that God has shown us and given us. Maybe it's just a time just to reflect on our own hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. So we're just going to have a moment of quiet, and then we're just going to sing the first verse of Amazing Grace together. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Sometimes I don't think I'm that bad. Sometimes I don't think I'm that much of a wretch. But really, when we see who we are, what we are the sin before our, our holy God, 
we recognize just how abundantly generous he has been and shown us this day. Maybe it's in our hearts now for a moment. Remember who we were and who we are now because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that every thought, word, and deed is forgiven at the cross. Lord, I pray that we would just lavishly receive your abundant grace. We have enough grace for each day, so let us receive it today. Let's stand together, and let's, the words won't be on the screen, I'm afraid, but let's just stand together and let's sing Amazing Grace. Just that first verse, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I just have this, um, remember on Easter Friday, on the um, outside of Edison High Street, there's about 200 people singing Amazing Grace, walking down the high street, following someone carrying the cross. It's that picture of what Jesus has done for us. Let's not forget it. Let's remember it. Let's sing our hearts out as we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace. take a moment as we stand. Um, it's so important that we regularly lift our eyes up to see what God has done for us, what he's doing for us, every spiritual blessing, every physical blessing. And let's just give thanks. Every physical blessing is from him. Every spiritual blessing is from him. So let's just give thanks now out loud to one another to encourage each other how we know that the Lord has been blessing us.
thank you um, for how generous you have been to us. Lord, I just pray, even for myself um, and for us as a church, that each day we would awaken and thank you for your grace. Thank you for the clothes on our back. Thank you for the food that you provide for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take our seats. So the motivation of radical generosity is the grace of God. And that will lead us to be those who give our time, maybe our money, whatever it may be, and we'll see the needs of others, not out of reluctance or under compulsion, but cheerfully. And it produces righteousness in us all. How great is that? There's a reality in Paul's words here. What does he say? Some famous words. He says, if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. But if we sow generously, we reap generously. So this is not something that we can make each other do, nor should we. Not something that a sermon can do, nor am I trying to do that. But, but this is not about making us feel guilty either. But this comes from the overflow of our hearts, from thankfulness overflowing in our hearts. We don't want to be legalistic about our generosity. I must give 10%. That's what the minimum requirement is in the Bible. Or I, I'm, I'm a bad person if I don't do this. It, it, it's got to come from the overflow of our hearts. Got to come from that place. Freely, joyfully. It's like with our time. You know, I can sometimes struggle with this. Look, all the time I'm giving to this, and then under my breath, why is it enough to do this? It's not cheerful, is it? Not me giving joyfully. Joy, generosity bubbles inside us because of Christ when we see what he has done for us. And I love this. As we look at this, this church here, in the midst of severe trial, so look at this, this is one heck of an equation. Severe trial plus extreme poverty equals overflowing joy and welled up in rich generosity. That is not the equation that I would think would work. Severe trial, extreme poverty leads to overflowing joy, joy, joy and rich generosity, world up in rich generosity. I think that's beautiful, isn't it? It may be something that we can struggle with in our Western world is that when we're not under severe trial, when we're not experiencing extreme poverty, although some may well be, and I don't want to neglect that, maybe it's because circumstances are just so that we're in this place where we like to keep a few more things for ourselves. We want to keep those things back. So generosity must come from thankfulness, overflow of thankfulness for the grace that God has done in our lives. Because he first loved us, we can love him and we can love others. We can freely give what he has given to us away. But when we give, it's sacrificial, isn't it? And Jesus gave his life. He gave everything for us. And as we give, we seek to be radically generous. It will come at a cost, whether that's finances, whether it's our time. Sometimes our time is the thing that's harder to give, isn't it? It might mean opening up our homes to people when they need it. It may mean saying goodbye to some comfort for a period of time. It may mean saying goodbye to ease so that we can be radically generous to others. But that sacrifice is worth it, guys. That sacrifice is worth it because it will reap a harvest 
of righteousness in our heart. I think I might actually pause there. Okay, I'm going to do one more little thing. Sorry. I'm going to miss a bit out, but I'm, because I want us to have some time to talk around tables. But what we see, if we look back in Acts, is we see the Lord added to their number daily. People were being saved. They were seeing radical generosity They were seeing something different from this body of believers. They didn't always necessarily know what it was to begin with, but we see there was favor shown to them. The church was experiencing favor from the people because they were seeing that they were doing things that no one else was doing. They didn't let anybody go to bed. No believer was able to go to bed without a roof over their head. No one was able to go to bed without food in their stomach. Isn't that incredible? I just think, like, when I look outside on Ellington High Street, the number of people that are sleeping rough or don't have very much or begging. The church here were the ones that were the first ones to make sure that everybody had something to eat. Everybody had a roof over their heads. And they saw favor from the people and the Lord added to their number. So as we think about this radical generosity, we want to be a church that is radically generous. I want to be someone that is radically generous and I need to grow in this and Our ministries, the reason we have these ministries that we do, the cafe ministry, the baking ministry, the mum's meat ministry, the English class ministry, all those things, is because we want to meet a need. We want to be generous in that, but we also want to meet their spiritual need. We want to share the gospel and all those things that we're doing. We want to be radically generous. We also want to love these people so much that they see there's something different about how we love them and the extent to which we're willing to enter their lives and to care for them I think with just, just, I know we keep talking about this, but at the moment with Mums Meet, the extent to which people are getting involved in the lives of the mums and the partners and so forth, English class, the extent to which the English class are getting involved with people's lives to love and care for them to meet their needs. We pray that as we find favour in the eyes of this community, that we will see people come to faith. That's what we want, isn't it? Through our radical generosity. And so I want us to spend a little bit of time around our tables now. If you just, oh, there's loads of questions on here, so take a picture of them. But I want us to put them onto one screen. So we stick these on. I just want us to spend a few moments now um, before we have a time of communion that Andy's going to lead us in as we remember how generous God has been to us as we take the Lord's Supper together. And I know there's loads of questions here. You won't get through all these. But how could you take more time to remember and enjoy the generosity of God's grace this week? It's got to start there. The church, we've got to start by remembering how good God has been to us, the love that Jesus has for us. And then think about examples of how have you seen others that you know, that's not a very good, others that so, others that you know, that, are there examples of how you have seen others generously give to others that's inspired you? Are there ways that you've seen that before? How would you like to grow in radical generosity? What does the Lord need to do in your heart? How could someone within your gospel community group benefit from your radical generosity today? You don't need to tell that to someone. You can just go and do it. I encourage you to do it this week. How can you bless your neighbors, work colleagues, and people you, you meet from radical generosity? And something just as a heads up for my gospel community, we've just bought some litter picking things. So on Wednesday night for our group, we're going to go out to Rookery Park where the, where, uh, the travelers have been and 
left loads of mess. We're going to spend some time blessing and loving our community, picking litter up for an hour doing that, just to, to, to show radical generosity to our community. How, how could we be radically different than others that we know? How can we be radically different as a church together? So maybe just around tables, just spend a few moments, maybe about five or six minutes doing that, and then we'll have a time of communion. That's okay.
Well, can I encourage you to, at the end of our time, um, please carry on these conversations. It really excites me to hear how people have experienced radical generosity, to see how, how many people have been touched by just the radical generosity of other believers, whether that's financial, whether that's time, just willing to drop everything at a hat. I can just say that I have, um, I don't know who it is, I have my suspicions, but I don't know who it is, but someone has been incredibly generous in that I, next week, was meant to be clearing out the nettles from the back of there that have just overgrown so much. So Harriet, you started, so thank you for starting to clear it. And then I was going to do the rest of it. Um, and then somebody, I don't know who it is, but praise the Lord, radically was generous and thought, Dan stung himself so many times last time that they're going to do it. And so the nettles have been cleared. So whoever it was, thank you for that radical generosity. I really, really um, appreciate it. And just, just want to, as before, just very quickly, to hand over to Andy, is just be praying through and thinking about how, how can we be sensitive to the needs of others? This church was sensitive to the needs of others despite great need on their part. They didn't focus on themselves. They still had a sensitivity to others. So sometimes I can find it hard. If there's something going on in my life, a challenge or a difficulty, I can go very, very inward focused and then not even think about what the needs of others that are going through. And so just thinking about how can we this week, how can we be sensitive to the needs of others? How can we just lift our heads to be aware other people's needs and even whether that's just praying for people that's the most important thing that we can do but then if we can practically help in some way i think that's another beautiful thing that we can tangibly help somebody with over to you Andy. um we're just gonna um have come into the latter part of our time together this morning. We're going to take communion together and then just continue that response with some